Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Howard Q hanging out with Double E, Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Player? Yo, what's poppin'? It's the Young Lion, Sammy, man. And right now you're locked in with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Love. Right Height Corporation is having a drive through career fair Tuesday, May 25th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Right Height is located at 601 Expressway Drive in Horn Lake, Mississippi. Open positions include welders, assemblers, painters, and forklift operators. Please bring copies of your resume for on-the-spot interviews. On-the-spot welding tests for welders, so please bring welding hood and safety glasses. For more information, contact Shayna Dosher, that's L-D-O-C-H-E-R, at rightheight.com, or call 662 662- 548-2628 or 662-622-2454. Bobby White is the founder and CEO of Fraser Community Schools, a charter management organization designed with the intent of positively transforming schools with the support of the community to build family-centered schools in Fraser and Memphis communities as a whole. He has appeared on CNN, Fox News, Essence Magazine, Governing Magazine, and a plethora of local and national publications due to his innovative ways of creating positive school culture and transformation of low-performing schools. He has experienced a series of extremely challenging life situations, such as becoming a single father to a child with a disability and at one point even struggling with homelessness. As a leader of Fraser Community Schools, his charge is to be a game changer in the landscape of education by leading and operating a cluster of authentic neighborhood application free schools that embody and personify a culture that focuses on college, career, and community while developing the new traditions and building pride. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I see that the world is opening up now. I want you guys to definitely be safe out there. Today I have with me a leader in our community. I actually worked with him last year on a huge event. We're going to talk about it today, but we're going to walk through his journey. I am here with the founder and CEO of Fraser Community Schools, Dr. Bobby White. How are you, Bobby? Absolutely wonderful. 
Really yes, well, you're looking good on this Friday. Um, you know, I know that, you know, we are all trying to get used to the world opening back up. How is that for you? I am, I am I'm, I'm taking the precautions and, and, and being uh, a mature citizen, uh, <laughs> but extremely excited mm -hmm. about uh, us returning to some sense of normalcy. I'm not sure if uh, that'll happen anytime soon where we will like, be totally like secure and safe and just doing what we did two years ago or 18 months ago. But I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting. I'm adjusting. Yes. yes. Are you yeah. still, you know, being masked up or did you get the shot? What, what, what kind of precautions? A, a little of both. A little of both, sister. A, a little of both. A little okay. of both. Um, you know, uh, that shot thing is personal. But I will say that I have had my, I have been vaccinated. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm the, the mask thing, I'm, I think that it is just, it's just respectful to those who have not. And uh, for those who their ideologies don't connect with the science, I'm fine with that. You know, um, you know again, everybody, everyone has their own way of thinking. And I just think that we should just like, for our fellow man, be very respectful in how we are approaching things. And so that's how I do it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, we are going to get all up in your journey today, Bobby. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you originally from? <laughs> I, I am, as I like to, the, the, to, to talk with the kids and, and tell the kids, I was one of the, one of the original Frasier boys. Okay. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Now, we, we invented the gangster walk. Okay. We invented okay. the gangster walk. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm uh, I'm from Fraser. Uh, Fraser, and you know, folks would generally say Fraser slash North North Memphis. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm I'm Fraser. I'm, I'm Fraser. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So tell me about growing up in that Fraser North Memphis area, because I've had a lot of guests from North Memphis and they, they, you know, have so many experiences with growing up and having such, you know, a wonderful childhood. Tell me about you growing up in Frazier. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, so I'm 49 and Frazier today is a tad bit different than it was when I, um, when I was there. Um, I actually uh, went to elementary school in LA okay. um, from kindergarten through about fourth grade. Um, I was in um, Los Angeles um, as my pops being a musician. Um, that was where we needed to be at the time. Um, definitely born in Memphis, but we moved to LA and, and I spent my, the, those primary years in LA and when we moved moved from LA um, back to Memphis, um, you know, we moved to Fraser and the community was markedly different than it is now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, we moved back at the time when there was this, uh, this flux of uh, the company's uh, International Harvester, Firestone, uh, Kimberly Clark, all of those companies were closing mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And Fraser had been a white working class community. Um, and that's who lived there up until about the mid eighties. And then they started the, 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 the transition out as a result of many of those companies uh, closing down. And so there was a perfect storm of a lot of folks moving out of a community and the projects being closed down in the city. And so Fraser started to overnight become a community that looked markedly different than it had what it was built for. Mm -hmm. um, you had a lot of affordable housing, um, beautiful landscape, trees, and just a community that was built for folks that did not look like me. Mm -hmm. um, that opened up because they all moved out because there was not uh, they, they, they didn't have the, the, the source of income and they moved out, right? And so those, the, the affordable housing was there and um, we, we started to move in or, or, or folks started to move in. And to answer your question uh, more definitively, um, my time, you know, there, um, you know, it, it, was, it was like any other kid, you know, um, at that time in history, we're talking about mid eighties, um, fifth, sixth, seventh grader. You know, good times was what I watched every day. Yes. You know, um, and honestly, I didn't even recognize that I was poor mm -hmm. because I actually thought that this is kind of the way all black people live, you know, and um, I, I the, my experience at Fraser High School, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one of those where I'm I'm a diehard I love Fraser High School kind of thing. Um, it was full of a number of faculty and staff that uh, did not look like me, mm. uh, were a bit uh, frustrated uh, by the change of the student population that was coming into the building. And uh, we, 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 we dealt with a lot of challenges as high schoolers. And when I in, entered Fraser High School as a result of that. Um, but the Fraser community, whether it was Pershing Park or Greenbrier or Corning Village or any of the apartments that I may have stayed in before my parents settled into um, a home on Willowwood, um, it was, hey, we're just kids. This is our community. We don't know anything about what's going on in the world. We want to ride our bikes. You know, we're going to go to school. We're going to have friends. And we just want to be happy. You know, which is, interestingly enough, 30, 40 years later, it's the same thing all kids want. Definitely. You know? Um, so my, my experiences are... Um, my experiences are un, no different from any other child who grows up in a, a neighborhood where um, you know people are care about them and um, they just have a normal life. That's that's a, that was my childhood. Nothing nothing extravagant. I don't have like these fantastic stories to tell about what happened or whatever. No, I was a normal kid mm -hmm. uh, in Fraser. Um, who happened to um, 
you know, be excited about life. Yeah. You know, um, I, I will. I will have to add though, um, because of my pops, uh, my pops' idea around or my pops' uh, career of music. I was always connected on on some front with um, uh, entertainment uh, in in LA uh, and in Memphis, and um, so I had my first single uh, at the age of nine, uh, where my pops and I uh, through uh, Sun Studios and uh, Staxton and still Axton uh, released a single um, in when I was nine and. Those who don't know me don't necessarily know that um, I sing and play instruments, and that's that's uh, that's what my real talent is. Even though I didn't want to sing, I wanted to play sports, right? You right. know, you know, folks who are musically talented want to play sports, exactly. and folks who play sports want to play want to play an instrument and want to sing, right? You know, uh, so I was kind of caught in the mix of those things. Um, but yeah, I, I had that normal kid life, you know. Um, I, my parents uh, were super supportive, um, and I, um, you know, just just lived that life. Just a regular kid. Well, that's interesting to hear that you had a single at the age of nine. I'm gonna have to pull that out the archive, Doctor White. Yeah, I can send that to you. Yeah, send, send it to you. Send it to you. Send that to you. But by no means am I the star. My dad is. My my pops is always the star. Uh, Silky White, okay. you know, uh, the name of our group was Silk, Satin, and Lace. He was Silky or Silk. I was Satin, and the group was Lace. Wow, okay. what a name, what a name. I, yeah, send it to me, Dr. White. Will do, will do. Oh, but that's so interesting, what you just told me about growing up in Frasier, you know, in the 80s with, you know, some of those challenges that you faced with all of the changes, right? Now, you know, as a kid, did your parents have to talk you through those changes of what was going on? You know, because in, in your mind as a child, you know, you're just trying to get through the day, uh, do your work, you know, do the activities that you're interested in. Did your parents have a lot of uh, advice for you how to guide through these changes at that time? No, I mean, respectfully, you know, um, I think, you know, I, my parents are from that generation where they thought that you dealing with adversity built character. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if they even recognize the movement in the community and the change. Mm -hmm. um, my pops was um, busy trying to make a living. Right. So trying to him being connected the way that I am around, you know, partisan politics and, you know, racism and all of those things were not a part of the things that he talked about all of the time. What I did do, what I did notice, though, was him being impacted by things that I would later and even in the moment, like, I think this is important for people to understand about me. From the very beginning, I've been very, I've, I've been, I've, one of my, I think one of my superpowers is I actually, my gut helps me to understand what people are going through. 
And I always knew that he was going through some stuff that I didn't necessarily understand. And what he was going through was uh, the, the, the racist ideologies of the South. Uh, my, my dad's from Detroit. And so, and my mom's from Memphis. Um, but he was always torn with being on these jobs where he was being talked to a certain way and he didn't recognize that and he would lose a lot of jobs because his spirit um, <laughs> was different from uh, a, a lot of Southerners uh, because just of where he was from, right? And, and, and so as far as them understanding what was going on for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving, my, I'm moving the, the needle to high school. They recognize, well, Bobby always makes good grades. We don't really have to, have to worry about him. So we'll have to talk about him a lot. As long as their report card still says he has a 3.5 to a 4.0, then we're fine. So there wasn't a lot of conversations about what are you actually dealing with? Gotcha. You know, um, I, I was able to navigate what was happening in high school through uh, building a relationship with who I now see as my brother, Audwin Pearson. Uh, by the way, this is his design of this shirt that I'm wearing. Um, and he and I became friends in about the seventh or eighth grade. And we would like really talk about all of the issues that were taking place. And until this day, you know, we probably talk at least once a day or every other day. Yes. Uh, most, and most black men do not have that type of support system. And that's huge um, because, you know, people always talk about this trauma and racism in, in it, within itself is traumatic. And when you don't even know that you're faced with it without having someone to just kind of talk to uh, about life in general, it could really weigh you down and afford you the opportunity to make excuses about not being able to succeed at the level that you should. Uh, so my parents did the best that they could uh, and they did not, I did not uh, suffer as a result of them not talking to me, but no, they, they didn't even understand what we were actually taking going through. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I'd have to say, I, in the work that we do as Fraser Community Schools, I wanna make sure that our students know we recognize what they are faced with, um, not only in, in our schooling system, but in America as a whole, and that we're intentional mm -hmm. about providing them with the supports so that they'll be able to succeed in spite of. Gotcha, wow, interesting, interesting. Well, let's talk about uh, when you graduated high school. What was next for you? So, wow, I, I, after I left uh, Fraser High School, um, I actually ended up at UT Martin. Okay. Uh, I went there and uh, attended there and I figured I was gonna play football, you know, you know I love sports. Um, was that the motivation to go to UT Martin? Was it football? No, 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 no. The motivation to go to UT Martin was my cousin Cheryl. Okay. Cheryl Freeman. Cousin Cheryl. Uh, she is the uh, star of our family, um, <laughs> Delta. Uh, beautiful, intelligent, and she was there, and she was the first person on either side of our family to attend 
college. Okay. And um, it's like, man, I want to be like Cheryl, you know? So if I can go to UT Martin and play football, then Cheryl's going to be like, oh, that's my little cousin, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I ended up at UT Martin. Uh, it didn't work out for me when I was there. Why not? Um, yeah, hey, you know, um, I wasn't ready for college. Okay. You know, uh, I uh, did a lot of stuff at UT Martin where I uh, was not, I was not uh, a mature student mm-hmm. and um, I needed to leave there. Um, and so I came home and I ended up um, having a daughter. Okay. And, and um, my daughter's 29 now. I'll let you know how long ago that was. Yes. Um, and uh, my daughter just so happened to uh, be deaf. Okay. And so, um, you know, it was one, it, it was the reckoning for me as a young man um, being a, a, a single father um, that I needed to really reflect on who I was and where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be. Um, so that I would be the model and the example for uh, my daughter. Um, I had, when I left UT Martin, um, I probably were doing, I was involved in some unsavory things um, and, 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 and some things I'm not a proud of. And so she uh, shaped the next 10 years of my life because for me, there is no way understanding the type of parents that I had and understanding, you know, what type of parent I wanted to be, because I wanted to be, I wanted to be them plus some, you know, and um, I had to ensure that I became a, a, a better man, you know, a better young man, a very young man. And, and so um, I ended up attending, um, I mean, and at the time, at the time, uh, I, I experienced some challenges to where I ended up in a mindful shelter. Um, and, um, you know, you know, a lot of folks, most folks don't know that about me, that uh, right there on, uh, on Vance uh, is where I was in a mindful shelter, my daughter and I. And at the time, I attended what is now uh, Southwest, but I was at Shelby State. Uh, I stayed, I was there for a couple of years, uh, maybe a year and a half and um, earn uh, Associate of Arts, Associate of Science in, in general education, and uh, received scholarship to attend Lemoyne. Gotcha. And that's when I ended up at Lemoyne. And um, I like to always say that Lemoyne and Dr. Randolph Mead Walker mm-hmm. um, are the reasons for my leadership. Um, you know, um, I've always been pretty, you know, I always, school always came, came easy for me, right? I, my gift a long time ago, like at this point at 49, eh, but my gift a long time ago is I can read anything mm-hmm. and just pull it back up. Literally, I could pull the page back up. Mm-hmm. So when I was taking a test, I'd be like, oh, I remember that page. <laughs> and I would just re- regurgitate the answer. But that's the reason why I struggled in math. <laughs> you can't regurgitate answers, right? right? You can't regurgitate answers in math. Uh, so Randolph Mead Walker, I'll never forget the day I, I showed up for a, per, uh, a presentation at Lamont. 
And I was in jeans and a t-shirt being, you know, Bobby, mm -hmm. you know, Bobcat is my, uh, my partners would call me. Bobcat. And, um, or the cat burglar, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and I, and he said, you're not present, you're not presenting with that on. Mm. He said, I see there's one day you're, you're going to, one day you're going to lead at a level that you don't even understand right now. Mm. And I'm not going to accept anything other, less than that from you. And, uh, you know, I, look, I went to the Goodwill and got me a couple shirts and some ties and a little briefcase, mm -hmm. you know, and I came back. And look, to this day, most people don't even recognize me if I don't have a suit on. Right. And that was all because of Dr. Randolph Mead Walker at Lamorne Horn College. And um, I swear by Lamorne Horn College in that era and moving forward in HBCUs as a whole, that uh, they recognize talent and they cultivate it and help you to become who you were supposed to be. Uh, whereas UT Martin would have never saw me. They saw that social security number okay. and they do sit in the back of that classroom and they looked at my paper and it was what it was, right? And so I ended up graduating really high in my class at Lamorne on, um, I was a part of so many things, the poetry society, the African society. I used to actually travel around the country and talk about issues related to uh, things going on on the African continent. You were like, oh, you're from Africa? Yeah, I know, but I get this, okay? I get this, this right? This is what I do. Yeah, this is what I do, right? And so uh, I was, uh, I, I, I love uh, what happened to me at Lamont On. It made me believe that I was supposed to lead. Yes. Um, and uh, again, I graduated near the top of my class and I ended up, um, as a result, uh, being uh, recruited to work for the federal government okay. uh, in property management. And uh, I did that for uh, a, a couple of years. Uh, it was just too much travel, given the fact that uh, I had a daughter with a disability. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I um, want to make sure it's clear, my daughter was my life at the time. Okay. Um, so even though I had the opportunity to uh, go to the University of Nigeria, for my graduate studies because wow. of my commitment to the continent of Africa and the African diaspora and everything about us. Um, but I, I, I couldn't take a, a child who uh, had a disability to uh, another continent, you yeah. know? And so anyway, um, I, I ended up deciding that that job, um, the job for working with the government was not what was best for me. Came back to Memphis where I had to support my parents. And um, I started teaching. Okay. I started teaching. Yep. Started so teaching. That's when you entered the uh, Memphis City School System, correct? I did. That's when I entered the Memphis City School System. Uh, 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 Tony Wall, uh, the principal at Cypress Middle School, was so interesting. And Mr. Wall had been the assistant principal at Fraser High School. And when I when I walked in for the interview, he was like, you're, you're the kid who used to cut class and I used to beat that tootie. <laughs> he remembered you. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I listen. I, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get this job. <laughs> I'm done, right? It. And he was like, oh no, 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 no. You don't even have to interview. Oh. You got a degree. You have a teacher certification, or if we can get you a, a a practitioner's license or whatever, you you get what you' about to walk into. He's like, come back, Monday. He didn't even interview me. Hired. <laughs> You're hired. hired. I was hired on the spot. <laughs> and I walked back in Monday and he gave me a teacher's edition and some chalk. <laughs> Get to work. Get, Get to work. work. Exactly. Uh, so yes, how did that transition for you? You know, you 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 had all of this um, leadership school in Lamona on college. Um, top of your class. Get the government job. You know, excelled in that. But your daughter was a priority. Came back to Memphis. I'm going to teach. How was that transition for you? Was it an easy transition? And, you know, what challenges did you face? Oh, my God. It, I don't know. Are you in my mind right now? You, you're amazing. <laughs> you're, 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 you're amazing. Um, it was the most challenging transition, uh, even more so than me transitioning from principal to CEO. Like, at that time, so I had been in corporate America. You know, and I and I, what I did for the government is I procured procured contracts, mm -hmm. right? So you know, folks would fly me around, and you know, if the government needed a contract, uh, it just say the federal building in Atlanta needed um, a uh, security service, mm -hmm. then all of the security companies would fly me into their companies. We would talk, and they would help me to understand why they were the best fit. Right. Right. That's with you. Yes. That's essentially where I started to become a scotch drinker. It's where I started to smoke cigars way before it became popular. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's where I was on the golf course because that's where the business deals were made. Right. You know, uh, so um, coming into the classroom, I, I was, I had almost forgotten where I was or where I come from, not in in, a, in 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 not in a way the way it was disrespectful to students, but I didn't connect immediately that that's you. Those, these babies that sit in front of you, that's you all over again. Yeah. I was, you know, look, I'm steeped in like all everything about me. I was woke before all these other folks started being woke. And so everything about me was pro-black and, you know, again, my, my major is history and, um, you know, all of the things about critical race theory and the African diaspora and all these, these things are like interwoven into the DNA of my synapses, right? And so um, I thought that I was just going to impart that knowledge to students. Mm -hmm. And they were just kind of sitting out there like, like who's this dude? <laughs> and I got it was like a, not a lot of training because I was I had a degree but I didn't go to school for teaching right 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 and so I, I didn't the, the the pedagogical side of the work uh, I didn't have and so that first year I would come home and I would reach out to my best friend Odwin and I'd be like Man, it's not for me I got I, I can't do this mm-hmm um, and I think what ended up happening was, well, not think, I know. I ended up being given because of, <laughs> by default, coaching every sport at the school. 
right? And so I did not talk about it. I, I did play football and, 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 and ran track and, uh, or, um, and played at baseball at Fraser High School, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, um, when I was at Cypress, Mr. Wall decided, hey, you're one of the only men here that can command respect. You're going to coach. Well, I need a coach. So I ended up coaching my first, my second year there, football, baseball, basketball, mm. and track, wow. right? And so what ended up happening with that is I still wasn't a great teacher. I wasn't a good teacher there. Mm-hmm. But I started to build relationships with students. They started to know who I was, and the respect just started to happen. And so then you walk into a classroom, and everybody is like, that's Coach White. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a responsibility on my end to ensure that they got something from me. There was no longer this, well, they don't see me the way I think they should see me. There, It became, man, this is my family. Mm-hmm. This is my family. North Memphis, Frazier, many of the students that were there, uh, their parents or cousins, I might have known from being in the area. And it started, it, the magic started to happen. Mm-hmm. The magic started to happen. And um, it got good to me. Yeah. You know, and I was like, man, this is what I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so the interesting, uh, interesting uh, fact is those students who were with me back in 99, 2000, those students, when the situation happened at the bridge a couple years back in Memphis, Mm-hmm. Uh, of course in Memphis because it's where we are um, I got inboxes from students saying Coach White what should we do Oh, that was the moment and I know like as educators we rarely understand we rarely get that affirmation of understanding what we meant to students that was the moment when I realized they was listening mm-hmm. like what, what should we do and they were asking where are you at why are you even here with us? Right. <laughs> what was your advice, Dr. White? My advice to them was um, everyone has their place in the moment and what they should or should not do. Mm-hmm. I said, the things that I helped you all to understand about the system, the institutions, uh, racism in America, I want y'all to hold dear, hold those things dear to you and understand if you feel that you should be there to protest right now, then that's where you should be. Um, And my role right now is to advise you uh, and even reach out to uh, uh, Rollins and say, hey, because he's he's someone that, you know, I have a relationship with and say, you know, a lot of my babies are on that bridge. They're watching. They want to know what a black male leader is going to do. Uh, in this situation. Yeah. Make sure you're a representative of who we want them to be as they begin to grow, as they get older and mature and that uh, we're not reinscribing white supremacy with the decisions that we make in real time. And I thought that it was flawless with how he handled it. And of yeah. course, he became our chief after that, right? You know, uh, he became our chief after that. He handled it flawlessly. Uh, but I, I just, that is, that's something that means a lot to me because when they reached out, it was just one of those moments where it was like, man, that's, that was almost, 
that was 15 years ago or longer. Like, they got it. And it's still there, you know. So, yeah, the, the transition was tough, but it started to work and it started to make sense. And um, I um, ended up um, loving being in education. Yes. And, and, you know, you mentioned that you were a coach um, for several sports. And, and I played a lot of sports in high school. And it's one thing about a coach. You never forget a coach because, you know, you spend a lot of time with them, first of all. And a coach will instill leadership skills in you that you won't forget. So um, even as a teacher, I talk to a lot of educators, you know, um, when that kid call you years later and they remember you and they ask you for advice, like that is when you know that you know that you know that you really, you know, meant something to them and instilled what you were trying to do, right? So, yep. you know, I, I, I can kind of, you know, resonate a little bit. Oh my, that, that, man, that, that light and man, you just feel like, ah, yeah. It worked. <laughs> you know, it worked. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, so let's yeah. fast forward to today, Dr. Bobby White. Um, you are the founder and CEO of Fraser Community Schools. Tell me how this all came about. Um, what is your mission? And, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to get into Frazier uh, Community Schools Day as well. So sure. tell me about the, sure. present, the present. Yeah. yeah, the present. And I have to go back a bit to kind of bring this up to that. So uh, after I left Cypress, uh, I went to Hamilton High School. Love Hamilton. Absolutely. Uh, for all the Hamiltonians out there. Uh, and I was um, the, 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 the head baseball coach and assistant football coach. And, um, you know, I was only there for a year and a half. Uh, uh, Ike White, the principal at the time, uh, removed me from my classroom and, and made me an interim assistant principal uh, while I was there. Uh, he pushed me on being a leader uh, as opposed. And I was all in my mind, I was always a leader, right? Because you're the CEO of your classroom. And if you're a, a coach, you are the CEO of those teams, right? And so, but he pushed me and it became apparent because um, even, even at Cypress, Mr. Wall pulled me out of my classroom and made me uh, an administrator to support around the school. So I, I recognize that at Hamilton that this is where my path was probably going to be. Um, and so um, after Hamilton, I ended up, taking an, uh, uh, an assistant principal job. And of course, I had to spend time getting a master's degree um, and an, an admin license. Um, and I did that probably in an 18-month period. Like, I was like, well, if they don't keep making me do the job, I need to get paid for it. Right. So I went ahead and got those additional, uh, 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 that additional degree and certification. And I ended up at the, as the assistant principal at Vance Middle School with uh, who's one of my closest friends who hired me. We were not friends at the time. We didn't even really know each other, but Leviticus Pointer. Um, many people in Memphis know uh, Levi. Uh, he's one of my closest friends and mentor. We mentor each other. Um, and, um, you know, we, we, we did something in South Memphis. You know, they called us the Batman and Robin of South Memphis. We walked foot in Claver Homes every day. We got kids out of the bed. We changed what people thought about what Vance Middle School was. We moved the data, we moved the needle, and everybody was excited about the work that we were doing. But of course, I ended up 
moving pretty soon from there and becoming a principal at, at, at my own school, uh, which was Westside Middle School, uh, which was, you know, in, in, my, in my hood. It was in Frazier, you know, and so uh, I was there, uh, became the principal there. Um, and I think maybe in year, in year two, um, you know, we went viral. Uh, I was known as the Urkel principal um, because we um, had an innovative approach to how we wanted to attack, um, you know, the, the, the sagging issue. It was really, really challenging at that time. And so um, I became known as the Urkel principal. I was on Don Lemon, CNN, um, what matters in America, a number of other national uh, news uh, media outlets and platforms. And about my second, in the middle of my second year, uh, the, the, the governor in Tennessee created what he called the Achievement School District, which was uh, to combat the, the, the lowest performing schools in the state, the bottom 5%, he said. And, um, so the person that he hired, uh, Chris Barbick, who was the founder of Yes Prep, he and I ran into each other at a, a meeting at, the, at Fraser High School because he was coming in and he was going to take over Fraser High School. The idea for the Achievement School District from Chris Barbick was to uh, take the lowest performing schools and give them to charter schools, right? Uh, or take them over and allow the State Department to run them. Anyway, the parents were like, at that meeting at Fraser High School that night, they were like, if, if uh, Coach White was the principal here at Fraser High School, the State Department wouldn't be trying to take it over, so on, whatever. And so he and I connected that night, we butted heads. You know, I, I was like, I'm here for the community. I don't know who you are, uh, but I don't have a problem having a conversation with you because the talent, the social capital, and the belief in people is already here. So why are you here, right? Anyway, uh, he and I, he asked me to go to, uh, to, to take a trip with him to Houston to a uh, graduation for Yes Prep. They call it Senior Signing Day. Senior Signing Day. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what they did was just like the athletes, every child at their charter school, in their high school, would walk to the stage and they would say their name and they would say, in four years, I will be graduating from, and they would put the hat on, St. John's, Vanderbilt, U of M, wherever it was. And these were all children that are uh, reeked of poverty. They were from poverty. Um, and you could tell it. And then after all of those students did that, their parents walked out of the audience down to the floor of the Toyota Center in Houston. And they sat at these big tables and they signed their letters of intent. And when you see people of poverty, because you can, you know poverty when you see it, right? Clothes, body structure, uh, um, posture, everything, lack of confidence, all of those things. And so by this time, Chris Barber looks at me and says, man, we can do this in Memphis. Better yet, we can do it in Frazier. And so by that time, I'm wiping the tears and trying not to let nobody see me crying. But at the end of the day, this is what I do. I, I feel this work. And so I was like, man, can we really do that? 
because every child in that high school was committed to somebody's college, right? And so when I came back to Memphis, I put my two-week notice in. Mm. You know, I, I let Shelby County Schools know, or pardon me, at the time, Memphis City Schools know that I was going to be leaving and I was going to start to work with the Achievement School District. At the time, I was being hired as the regional superintendent of the Achievement School District. I uh, had thought that I was going to maybe operate the schools or run the schools in Fraser or what have you, because 12 of the 14 schools in Fraser were all a part of this bottom five list. Hmm. And so I thought that maybe that Chris Barbeck, the superintendent of the state, of the Achievement School District was going to like have me in a role where it was traditional of what I understood. Uh, and But that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, what he was, what I had been hired to do was support him and recruiting national charter operators, the green dots of the world, uh, the aspires of the world, uh, scholars, these different organizations from around the country to come in and take over the low performing schools in the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I, I, I told him, I said, man, that is, that's not what I signed up for. Right. Right. And so and, and this is a long, it, it, it's a much longer story, but I think I've shortened it enough to where you can understand it. At that moment, he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, man, I want to be Green Dot. Mm. I want to be Aspire. I want to be Kip. I want to be those national organizations, how do I do that? He's like, man, like the charter work is different from you just being a principal. I said, teach me, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, at some point through, uh, I submitted a, uh, an application and a proposal to the Tennessee Charter School Center. Uh, I became a one, the, there were two of us, I became one of the two inaugural fellows of the Entrepreneurial Fellowship Program where they trained folks who had been school leaders, principals, in understanding how to start a charter management organization, gotcha. how to run multiple schools. Okay. So for the next two years, I spent time shadowing CEOs, CFOs, COOs of the largest charter organizations in the country to learn the game. Mm-hmm. And in, in, the, in, in the meantime, I was writing my application to the State Department to take over an existing low-performing high school uh, I was approved. Uh, I, it was between Tresvent and Fraser High School. It's the obvious. I was going to take over Fraser High School, right? And so that was, um, I was approved and, and I, I took over Fraser High School. And in the process, I started to think, it's time to rebrand my old high school. Mm-hmm. And I decided to change the name. Okay. Uh, I thought that, you know, there had been too much negative publicity that the folks in that community who that were in that community at this point, uh, going back to the great days of Frazier, like what does that mean to them, right? And so how do we start our new traditions and pride uh, wrapped in something that's bigger than, than what they'd ever thought about? And since there was no King High School in our city and we're a predominantly black city where Dr. King was assassinated and there's no King High School, I said it makes all the sense in the world to rename the school MLK College Prep. And so uh, I renamed the school and uh, we started MLK College Prep in, in that year. Wow. 
amazing. You know what? Your journey is really and truly amazing, Dr. White. You have been through so much to get you where you are today, right? And mm -hmm. um, your leader in the Frazier area, um, in the community, and you have developed this uh, FCS Day. Tell me about FCS Day. We got one coming up. Yep. And yep. what is the goal of FCS Day? Well, well, over after MLK, over the next three years, we were afforded the opportunity to take over two more or to have the opportunity to run two other neighborhood schools. To be clear, our the charter schools are not like charter schools or the traditional charter schools. We um, so we serve the neighborhood school. There's no application. The child, if you were zoned to Fraser High School, you're still zoned to MLK. If you were zoned to West Side, you're zoned there. You're zoned to Humes, you're zoned there. So um, we 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 have three schools now, and our fifth year anniversary uh, was two years ago. And at that time, uh, Joanne Massey, who had been one of the members of my inaugural. Uh, founding board, my founding board, uh, she, along with the mayor, deemed May 23rd, Fraser Community Schools Day for the, center, uh, for the city of Memphis. Okay. And so from that point forward, like this is the second year after that, uh, we uh, just decided that, for one, that kind of distinction just speaks to, in my mind, how the, what the city feels like uh, our impact is and how important we are to that community, the Fraser and North Memphis community. And um, we, we have an event, an, an annual event every year since that, since that fifth year anniversary. Yeah. Uh, and and, it, and it's, it's, it's important because um, a black founded, black run organization in doing work in the community where they, where I grew up, it's super personal, uh, and I get it on fire every day as a result of it. Yeah. Yes, and I can't wait to assist in this wonderful day on May 23rd. Um, I had a great time last year. Uh, I met so many amazing people as well that I've developed relationships since then. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it, Dr. White. Um, when you're no longer here, what do you want people to remember about you? Well, um, meaning when I'm like, they put the dirt on me or yeah. when I'm not, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, hey, 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 I think about that often, you know, um, a part of why I left Shelby County, Memphis City Schools was because uh, I, I believe in be, being actively anti-racist. Um, and being fighting the systemic and institutional racism from a policy perspective and your actions following exactly what you believe about things. Um, many times in very large bureaucratic organizations, those are challenging because there's so much red tape and so many people you have to go through in order to figure things out in order to really um, support, serve, and honor the, the people that we get the opportunity to work with uh, in the way that they, they can. 
And so I want to be known as a servant leader who got it. You know, this whole new term about being woke, it's like maybe it's time for me to take a nap because I've been woke a long time. <laughs> like my, maybe, I can, maybe I can doze off because if everybody else is woke, then maybe I can doze off. But I can doze off because I'm not sure, given the fact that I didn't see the type of outrage about this new legislation that I should have, that everybody's as woke as they say that they are. Right. And so I want to be known as a servant leader that got it, that was a man of the people. Uh, du Bois talked about this, this talented tent and people making sure they, they uh, reach back. I don't know if we would even call it that today, but of, of whom much is given, much is expected. And based on what I know, the things that I've been taught, Dr. Beverly Cross, second mom to me, the most brilliant person I've ever met. Uh, pushed me on understanding how we should be impacting the people, the students that we serve and their families. And so I want to be just known as that servant leader that understands that, uh, as well as, and that's number two. And I know that was much longer than what number one is, but number one is I want to be known as a great father. Yes. You know, my son is 15, my daughter's 29. Uh, yeah, pretty big gap. Um, but I just want both of them to know uh, that I, I gave it all. I left it all out there, passionate, uh, loved them, and everything I did every day. And I wake up every morning at 345, 4 o'clock, excited about trying to do something that will impact their children's lives. And they'll be able to say, man, you know, our dad, he was a part of that. Yeah. You know, 10 years from now, whatever happens, let's be clear. You know, I feel like whatever is going on in Frazier, I was a part of being, uh, serving alongside all the other folks that are doing great work. And we made, we made a change. Yeah. And, and so those are the things that I want people to remember me by. Well, I, I can tell you this, you will truly be unforgettable as this servant leader that you are indeed. Uh, we're not going to say woke. We're going to try to come up with another term for you. Please, Dr. Please. White. <laughs> but yeah. I have truly enjoyed you today. <laughs> On the Verbally Effective Podcast, uh, you are definitely blazing trails in the Frazier community. We're looking forward to FCS Day on May 23rd. I will be there. And um, I wish you nothing but the best, Dr. White. Um, your story is amazing and truly impactful. And I look forward to working with you in the future as well. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. And as I always tell everybody at the end, be legendary. Be legendary in your own time. Wake up every morning believing that you're the best at what you do. The three Mikes, Mike Tyson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. There was one time in their life where they knew absolutely, unequivocally, they were the best at what they did. How many of us wake up every morning believing that we're the best at what we do? We should. And if we do that, then we're legendary in our own time at whatever it is that we're doing in our life. And that's how we move the needle and make change. Yes, sir. So thank you for the time. And, I, and I, I just appreciate being able to share with you. Thank You're you. You're welcome, and thank you.